Can you count down for us? One, two, three. Oh. Hello. Hello, and welcome to the Timeless Motherhood podcast, where we talk about biblical motherhood that doesn't cave to culture and has stood the test of time. I'm your host, Kaylee Weikbrot, and I'm joined today by my co-host. And today we're going to be chatting with Sue Moy on community, where to find it, how to build it, and how it supports our kids and their faith. We had a very blessed recording environment, which I also have right now, where my son was able to join us for the episode. So there's a couple of intermissions where we jumped off and jumped back on, but I promise you that there's so much practical wisdom in this episode on how to build godly community, and I know it's going to bless you. So thank you for your patience and your understanding that this is a real motherhood podcast where children are sometimes around, and it's a blessing. So I hope you enjoy those baby squeals, and uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Hi friends, we're here with Sue Moy, and Sue, would you introduce yourself to the audience? I would love to. I am right now, most recently, a grandma. I have a wonderful seven-month-old granddaughter, and it is so much fun because I think in the stage where you're at, it's all new, but you're also spinning all the plates of being yeah. mom, of doing podcasts, of raising a child, of maintaining a home, and as grandma, you get to watch and just observe, and it is, it's miraculous just <laughs> watching, um, her name's Hannah, discover her hands, and of yeah. course I watch that as a mom, but yeah. as a grandma, you just sit in awe. So I'm a grandma in awe. <laughs> I uh, have two girls. They are 30 and 32 now, both married, only one with a child, and I am retired. I have been on staff with Young Life. I was on staff of a large church and in a, in a variety of roles, including women's ministry and working with young moms. Yeah, I, I noticed when you came into the house and sat down on the floor with Conrad and started playing, I had this little bit of guilt of like, when was the last time I sat on the floor and just played with those blocks with him, you know? Mm. <laughs> um, but I I think it's great that, you know, God gives us these life cycles where, you know, at your stage, you get to do a little bit of that again. Yes. And to see it all with fresh eyes. Yes. Yeah. So you have two daughters. Mm -hmm. And what was, what was your motherhood experience like? Well, I, had, through my 20s, had been on staff with Young Life, like I had mentioned, and was preparing to, I was 28 and single and was preparing to go, okay, what is going to make life meaningful if I hit 30 and still be single? Yeah. And I decided I wanted to be a dean of women at a school. And so I went back for my master's degree. In the period of getting my master's degree, I met my husband, got married, and was seven months pregnant with daughter number one when I graduated. <laughs> so heading into motherhood, it was, you know, all of a sudden this about face. Yeah. And I knew that in the early years, if possible, I wanted to be home. And for me, I was in a situation where financially we could do that because That's I awesome. got married older. Yeah. But I realized that that is not something that every mom is going to have. And watching my daughter navigate now part-time, she's a teacher and she's returned back to work. Mm. And so there's just different seasons and 
I'm watching it all unfold. Yeah, that's um, that's challenging. Getting your master's and putting so much work into this new trajectory for your mm-hmm. life, and then having to, you know, 180 and and turn mm-hmm. that around. Did you struggle with that decision to stay home or go back to, or go into work, I guess, in the field that you were studying for? You know, that's a great question because I, I think what I struggled with was going from being known and being in a ministry role where I was in leadership. So whether you're in a career role where you're in leadership and you have a reputation for who you are. Yeah to changing your name. And so all of a sudden that, for me, that name was gone, moving, changing churches. And so the knowledge of, you know, oh, that's Sue. She does X, Y, Z. She's known for to just being Sue and being Becky's mommy. And I think that's a big change. Yeah. I know that it's a real struggle for a lot of moms Mm -hmm. to become just a mom. Mm Mm-hmm. And I hear a lot of that issue of not being validated Mm -hmm. the same way that you can be in a career where Mm -hmm. there's accolades and a paycheck Mm -hmm. and then you aren't earning any money Mm -hmm. and you're, you know, wiping noses and making meals and it can feel a lot more meaningless sometimes Mm -hmm. than it than it truly is. But how did you come to terms with that aspect of, of losing that old identity and growing into your new identity? Well, and I think it's there's a tension, too, because it's a for many women, it's an identity you want. I mean, you right. dreamed of being mom, and then all yeah. of a sudden, you're in this situation. I, I just, oh gosh, Doug would come home from work, and the question he would ask to show interest in me is, what did you do all day? <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> Well, framed like that, it can uh, point at some. Yeah. I mean, as a mom, you're hearing, I have nothing productive that advanced my list of agenda items, and yet I was busy all day doing something that I'm going to do again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And, you know, to be honest, I identified the, the years of little people where it's more survival. I called them the tunnel years. Oh, interesting. I like and, that. And I think the reason I identified them as the tunnel years is because of the idea that there would be light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. And and everything is a phase. And so that glimmer of discretionary time for myself at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. kept me through that. I would say that those baby years were not my favorite years. Yeah. But I think community is such a key part of getting through the tunnel years. Yeah. What did that look like for you? I had two friends who had gotten married similar time, and we all started our families within nine months of each other. And so we were just all going, how do we do this? Yeah. And what we decided to do was the between the three moms, we decided that there would be a play date. I forget whether it was Friday or what day, but every, let's say it was Friday, Yeah. the whole morning from nine till 12, which was a good chunk of time. Mm-hmm. Two of the moms would keep the three girls. And so the two who were with the kids at least had each other. So you had a friend in the midst of that. And one of the moms got to have a morning off. You're the second person that has mentioned that. Uh And yet this is a totally new concept to me and something I've never have not heard of moms doing. But it's genius. I mean, it's genius. What better way to babysit than to just 
hang out with another friend and then yes. be able to barter that time for a yes. time for yourself. Yes. You know, and then we'd switch off which were the two moms together. And so when you get together with littles, your conversation is not what it would be if it was sitting across the table with a cup mm -hmm. of tea or a cup of coffee or doing something. But it was just wonderful to know I had that time yeah. with these two women that I already loved. For us, there was a basis of relationship already there. Yeah. I think that's a big area of struggle for a lot of moms. I know for me going into the season of motherhood, um, we were new to the area mm. and military family, but also I've I've lived a, a potted plant life. I've never mm -hmm. really had roots deep anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so with moving around a lot, you just don't make friends that easily. Mm -hmm. And everyone seems to be incredibly transient. No mm -hmm. one is from the place that they live. Very yeah. few are. And learning how to establish community, especially far enough in advance so that when you do hit these critical life seasons, you have relationships to fall back on yeah so many moms just enter motherhood going okay now I get to join the mom club mm -hmm. now I can have mom friends and then you still look around and go okay I have a baby in my arms but that still doesn't mean that we'll be instant besties you yeah. know <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah friendship is a gift yeah it really is you you can proactively seek friendships but when one really clicks it is such a gift. Yeah. You know, one of the things I did was the church we were attending at the time needed a nursery supervisor. And I was not jumping up and down about being a nursery supervisor. But I all of a sudden saw it through a different lens. And I thought, Sue, if you volunteer to be the nursery supervisor, out of that position where you're the one greeting and taking the babies into the nursery, you are going to get to know every woman who has a child your child's age. And so, I mean, it sounds pretty self-serving. And, and to be honest, sometimes... Our volunteerism is just an amazing way to advance our own relational goals. In fact, yeah. I would have to say many of my best relationships have come out of volunteering. And so when you intentionally volunteer where you want to build relationships, and, and so it let me get to know who the other moms were that were the same age as my daughter. It let me get a feel for who they were, who was home, who was working, who my daughter clicked with, with their kids. You know, you, you got a feel for all kinds of things. And out of that role, I built some friendships that really became my mainstay within that church. That's amazing. Volunteering in church is so fruitful, mm -hmm. especially volunteering in kids' church. I mean, mm -hmm. when my husband and I, before we had him, we volunteered together in nursery with 12 to 18-month-olds. And it was such a beautiful time for us to see each other interacting with kids and mm -hmm. also to get that experience. We would go home and have a lot of really in-depth conversations about child psychology and assessing the individual kids in our group you know some of them you could tell you know there were indications that maybe home life was really bad they would not want to leave our laps and mm -hmm. others were so independent and curious and social and it was just a really beautiful way to get exposed to children Mm -hmm. Did you have a lot of experience with kids before you had your own? More teens. Okay. Than, through young life. Through young life than, yeah. than younger kids. Uh, I want to say two things. Yeah. First of all, I love you bringing up 
the different personalities of the kids. In fact, right now my youngest daughter is living with us and I told her I was coming to talk to you. And we were talking about social situations and she was so shy in almost any social situation. Mm. And, And so there's a piece of knowing who you are you know, in this whole topic of building community, yeah, there's knowing who you are as the mom and whether you're introverted, extroverted, more reserved, more outgoing, an initiative taker, more of a responder. But then there's also the piece of who is your child. And I was mentioning to my daughter, you know, some of the things I was intentionally doing when she was little. And she said, you know, mom, that's really interesting because the truth was there were no social situation was going to feel good for me. Mm. every social situation where I was not in control or, you know, where I felt out of control was anxiety producing for me. Oh, wow. And so this whole topic of community, it really involves taking some time to step back and say, what are my community needs as a mom? Mm -hmm. And what are my child's community needs? Yeah, I've really seen, I've really seen a social need in Conrad, my mm-hmm. son, he loves people. But something we've noticed recently is that he's really comfortable around adults because mm-hmm. I have a lot of adult friends over who love on him and mm-hmm. play with him and are so great. But I think I, I have a one stay-at-home mom friend mm-hmm. and we don't get to see each other that often mm-hmm. due to schedules and just right. different things. So I've really had to be intentional about trying to find community where he can be with other kids Mm -hmm. because we're at home and it's Mm -hmm. just the two of us. And I know he gets tired of me, but then also I've noticed that I have a lot more social need than I thought I did. Mm -hmm before motherhood and that I need female friends you know Mm -hmm. my relationship with my husband has changed a lot where at first I wanted him to share in all of these Mm -hmm. things and he adores being a dad he's very interested in the going-ons of our day but there's just certain things that I need women to talk to you know again I didn't think I wanted to be in a women's Bible study at church. And yet that's where women who either work but choose to find community and so they'll arrange to be off that day. Or the other option is that there's great community Bible studies. called One's called Community Bible Study and one's called Bible Study Fellowship that have intentional programs for kids. And this isn't something that I thought about But if you're in a large church, usually the nursery, there's several rooms, and who is in that room changes week to week because of sickness, because of people traveling. And so there's not a consistency, and often there's volunteers that are turning over. Right. Whereas in a weekly midweek Bible study, it's the same teacher. And I found for my girls that that relationship with a consistent teacher every week and where we could talk about consistent children that they saw every week was really important. And so back to this whole community piece, I would almost say, you know, Sunday morning is not consistent in most cases. That's a really good perspective. I had not thought about that. And the other piece is, is that if a mom is working, but has set aside that morning once a week, 
often they could grab either a cup of coffee or you can even bring bag lunches and hang out afterwards, let the kids run in the hall and sit and eat. But I found that was a lifeline for me. I actually just looked into community Bible study Mm -hmm. because, like you said, I want to find other stay-at-home moms or women Mm -hmm. who are prioritizing that Bible mm-hmm. study during the day. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm hoping to hear back from them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that's um it's a big issue community. Yeah. It's well, it's important. Yes. But it's it's just so hard to find. Well, the other place and I <laughs> I I've laughed with friends. Start paying attention to what local churches have Bible school. It might not be the exact denomination that you would pick, but what I found is that by enrolling my kids in a variety of Bible schools locally, that became another place for me to get to know who the moms were that were in my area. And if you're local, chances are if you also belong to a pool that one of the moms that you meet in Bible school, you're going to also potentially overlap with at the pool. And so you just begin to go, okay, I'm, you know, a week of Bible school is something that you're not committing to every week. And if your child doesn't love it, you can pull out. Those networks are such. (laughs) Hi, sweetie. Hi. Hi. You want to be on the podcast? He's got a lot to say. He does have a lot to say. So those networks of just trying things out are so important. And you know, that leads me into another story. We put our kids in public school, but in doing that, I wanted to know who the potential Christian community was at the public school. And so I had heard of this group called Moms in Prayer. And I thought, okay, you know, maybe I can get to know who other moms would be. Yeah. And it's a national and network. And by the way, I would say even at the stage you're at, you could look at the public school in your area, whether you're going to do that school or not, and see what moms are involved in Moms in Prayer at that school. You can go to the national site and what they'll do is take your information and get, if there's one there, they'll give it to the mom in charge and she'll email you. But what that can do is if a mom has older kids mm-hmm. and they might still have a younger one, your child's age, but right. that again is the beginning of finding a network and you'll laugh yeah. at this. So we found there were three of us that wanted to start this moms in prayer group. So then I said to the other moms, you know, I've seen some cars with fish on the back. Yeah. So I began following them home. Oh my gosh. And I didn't stop and talk to them immediately, but I'd see where they lived. Uh-huh. And so then I'd go back to the other two moms and go, do you know who lives in that house? You know, do you, oh, oh yeah, I know gosh. that family. And I said, well, do you know that they have a fish on their car? And so in a couple instances, once I had a sense of who was where, if they were outside and I was happening to walk with the stroller or whatever, I would stop and just very low-key casual say, you know what, I noticed that you have a fish on your car. And I said, 
if that means what I think it does is that Jesus is important to you. And so then they would respond. And that just was the beginning. And then I didn't ask where they went to church or anything like that. But I just said, you know, I'm a mom who's just looking to find other moms of faith. And I kept the language just so casual. Yeah. But we ended up with 10 in that group after three months of getting started following fish home from school. Oh my God. (laughs) I mean, I, I love the intentionality, (laughs) you know, especially because I, I think everyone's just dying to meet other people. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's coming from the extrovert in me. I certainly meet people in my neighborhood who would rather that I just walk on by and leave them and their kid alone. (laughs) You know what, though? I want to challenge that because I think we're all looking for community. And like I said early on, there's some who are going to be the initiators and some are going to be the responders. Mm. And if you don't initiate, she can't respond. Right. And so there were women who said, Sue, I am so glad you followed me home because I have been wanting something like this and I didn't know where to find it. Yeah. And it was interesting because I had done a Bible study. It had just come out called Experiencing God. And that Bible study talked about how we go into a situation and think that um, we're starting something. And in most cases, God is already at work. And it's our obedience that lets him take what he's already doing to the next level. If I walk into seeing that fish car and taking the risk believing that God's already at work. It's not as much of a risk as if I think, oh, I'm starting something and it's all on me. I think those two things of of praying and asking God and then believing he's already at work are so important. I love that so much. And there are a lot of aspects to that, uh, stepping out in faith Mm -hmm. in any capacity that God is calling us Mm -hmm. to. I mean, this podcast, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I had no idea if anybody would want to come on the podcast and um, just getting connected to Carol has led me to you and so many other incredible Mm -hmm. women that I know this isn't something that I'm starting. This is a work that God's doing Mm -hmm. and I just have the mics. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm just setting up the equipment. So that's right. That's right. You know, since you're going, you, you're triggering ideas in my thought. I was at a baby shower and was asked to pray at the end of the baby shower. Well, there was a young mom at that baby shower. She's an immigrant, so she does not have family in this country. Her faith has become important to her since she's come to this country. And so here she is as a newer believer in Well, and I wouldn't even say not a believer prior, but, you know, somebody who's growing in her faith going, okay, what does this look like? So she had heard me pray at the shower. She went to her friend and said, who is that? And she approached me to have brunch. So one of the questions that I've heard from younger women is how do I get into a relationship with its intergenerational? Yeah. And I'm going to just tell you when she reached out to me, and asked me to go to breakfast. I loved it. So then in the getting to know each other, she asked me if I would be her mentor. And my answer to her was no. And let me tell you why. I think that most mentoring relationships get awkward because there's a, an expectation that the mentor brings something and the mentee receives. And honestly, 
I need my relationships with younger women as much, if not more, than they need me. And so by responding no to mentor, I followed up and said, but I'd love to be your friend. Yeah. And being a friend is is a whole different level of getting together because we enjoy each other. And mentoring's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. You can't share your life without having your life experiences come into play. And being with young women for me fuels me. It challenges my thinking. It makes me recall my younger dreams and aspirations. So it puts me in touch with my younger self. And most women who you're asking to be a mentor are at an empty nest stage in their lives. And so there's this new freedom and being put back into touch with the vision for life and the planning and the giftedness of younger women is wonderful. So I would say the other aspect of community is to pursue intergenerational relationships and not necessarily to pursue, quote, mentoring relationships. Yeah. My generation can be so career-minded and see relationships as this transactional, professional, networking, mentoring kind of thing when friendship is natural. It's doing life with each other. You just don't seem to know how to do that very well. But I love that you're sharing this. I think it'll be an encouragement to young women to step out in faith, knowing that the older generation likely wants to be in community with them. Another woman that I'm going to have on the podcast, she shared that the older generation often feels neglected by the church. You know, a lot of programming is geared towards young people. A lot of the graphics and the music is geared towards the young. And culturally, I feel like we live in a time where the older generation is seen as having done things wrong. Hmm. And this is more of a secular perspective, mm -hmm. but um, let's just do away with everything that they did and try our own thing and start from scratch. Mm -hmm. And I see that in the Christian community, too, where mm -hmm. young women, young moms are looking around at each other going, we don't know what's going on. We have no idea what to do. Let's all band together and figure it out mm -hmm. instead of just looking a few years ahead or a few decades ahead mm -hmm. and getting that wealth of knowledge from mm -hmm. women who've been there and done it and can see the fruit of their labor. Mm -hmm. You have hindsight, you know, to see the things that you did for your daughters and how it turned out mm -hmm. to see them pursuing relationships with the Lord and to see how, you know, the seeds of faith that you planted in them, what, what that turned into. And and I would be cautious to say the fruit of your labor in the sense that I'm in a place where you could say the fruit of my labor, it's all played out as hoped. I have equally as many friends who the story is still being written. Yeah. And I think it's as important, especially with mothering, so many of the Bible stories aren't straight lines. Yeah aren't cause and effect of I did this and this is how it turned out. And motherhood is a journey for you as a mom and it's a journey for your kid. And God's not really concerned about it being a straight line or being instant. Yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs>
And so sometimes it's those relationships that are intergenerational of seeing a mom still waiting to see how the story is going to read, but travailing with her on going, okay, how are you still believing in God? What does your faith look like as you're still waiting to see this story end? Yeah, that's, yeah, no, that's good. (laughs) I clearly have some of that mentality adopted myself where looking at success stories, you know, how you get from point A to point B and everyone's always talking about, you know, the journey, enjoy the journey, focus on where you're at and feel like I have to be daily reminded to be present and not so focused on the future or the past. Mm -hmm. Does that get any easier? (laughs) Oh, goodness. You know, I would say as you get older, like all muscles, if you're exercising, you're, you're building faith muscles. And so, so that you know how it works, but I love the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, and it says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the one I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. And so that prone to wander doesn't change. Yeah. But when you get to that place where you're, you go, oh, gosh, here I go to the old places where I'm prone to wander, you have the faith muscles so that when you catch it, you do have experience of knowing how to get back in the place where you want to be a little yeah. easier. Yeah. What What does your faith look like these days? <laughs> these days? How you do know, you exercise your faith muscles? I, you know, that that is a wonderful question. And I have been on a journey myself. I left the staff sooner than I was planning. So I didn't picture being retired at this stage. And it was, again, like you said, you know, when you're becoming a mom, where's my identity? Who am I? I went through that again. So back to you saying, do you learn anything? Um, (laughs) You know, it took me a good two years. And the question God had to keep asking me was, Sue, is this more about your identity or about really walking with me and being used by me? Mm. And God had to peel my hold onto having a title and a role and him saying, Sue, do you believe I see you? Do you believe I know who I made you? And do you believe I can position you to be used by myself? So even you calling me to do this again is God going, see, I see you. See, I see where you are. I know how to position you. But in this stage of life, and I I now have a title when people say, what do you do now? And I said, I'm in freelance ministry. And, but honestly, I love that. At this stage of my life, I feel like I'm being allowed into sacred places in people's lives, which is in the long run where the most impactful things we do happen. Absolutely. And it's not a title. I'm not speaking in front of an audience like I pictured, and yet here I am, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so I think to bring this full circle from being a mom to being an empty nester, God knows who he made you. God sees you, and God knows how to position you to fully use all all of the capacity he gave you. That is such an encouragement. I heard it put in a similar way this morning. Another friend named Sue came over and had coffee with me. And um, she said, this is your ministry. Mm -hmm. When you're dealing with 
difficult spouse, difficult child, or even just, you know, it doesn't have to be difficult, but wherever God has you in this season is your ministry. Mm-hmm. And God's so intentional about mm-hmm. our lives. Something I've been thinking a lot about recently is the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's some different camps within the the Christian world on what is God sovereign over, you know? Is he sovereign over everything? Does he allow evil? Does he not allow evil? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of these things come into question when you're talking about the sovereignty of God. But I have found so much comfort in knowing that there wasn't a single season of my life that he wasted, Mm -hmm. that he was sovereign even over my sin. Mm -hmm. He tells us that he can take everything and use it for good. Yes. And so that would be Romans 8, 28. Yeah. One of my favorite verses is Ephesians 2, 10, which says that we are God's workmanship Mm -hmm. created with works prepared in advance for us to do. Mm. And so back to that idea of, you know, does God see me? Does God still have important things for me to do? Yes. Yeah. So here we had a brief intermission to go get some Cheerios, and where we decided to pick up was discussing building a sphere of influence around your kids. So I'll turn it back over to Sue. That you want the majority of the voices in their life to be aligning with what your value system and your faith is. And so there's going to be seasons where if they're on a travel soccer team and, you know, they you know, depending on your own family. So, so are your, if your extended family isn't affirming your faith and your values. Yeah. And they're on a travel soccer team that isn't affirming your faith and values, then you need the other voices to all affirm that. Yeah. If extended families affirming what you believe, if they have a great church community, then what does it look like for them to have community with people who aren't totally like them? You know, and yeah. so it's that balance of God says to be in the world, but of it. And so where is it teaching them to have community with the world? And where is it teaching them how to, to, to have community that's affirming those life choices? Yeah. How did you navigate that with your girls? So for me, one of the things was we opted for public school and there's a whole conversation there with school choice. Absolutely. And and we're not going to go there, but one of the things that was so valuable for me in opting to do to public school was somebody said you want the majority of the voices to be aligned in what's most important to you. So for me, our extended family was affirming and aligned with this, with just Christianity and with a, a meaningful faith. And then knowing they were in public school, I wanted there to be that community of faith. And so for each of my girls, that looked different. For my older daughter, she consistently had a good group at church. And so I felt like, okay, great, extended family, our family, our peers and community, you know, just who Doug and I hung out with. Yeah. There was plenty to support my older daughter. My younger daughter, from the word go, just gelled in the secular world. 
and yeah. and and the people she was drawn to she's more artistic so she was drawn to more artistic personalities more artistic personalities tend to have a whole different background of influences and so for me there was the question of what does it look like to influence her life given her choices yeah so two things i did one is you know i volunteered in the school with my older daughter I realized that what was the scarier influence for me with my younger daughter was the social crowd. So rather than volunteering in the school, I was the Girl Scout leader. <laughs> because if I'm the Girl Scout leader, I am with these girls in their extracurricular space. I'm yeah. going on those camping trips. I am hearing as I'm carpooling them to every trip we do, the conversation that's going on in the back of the car. And so I think as a mom, you need to go, where is the most important place I need to influence that community? Yeah. And um, like I said, when I was younger, I was the nursery volunteer. As I got older, I was just watching what were the friendships that worked for my daughter when we were in church. And I was willing to drive for playdates to make sure that those relationships kept being built. Yeah. When it came time for birthday parties, she wanted the secular friends at her birthday party, not the church friends. And so are you willing as a mom to throw two birthday parties because you want to keep building and affirming those relationships that are aligned yeah. with what you believe while not negating who they are and where they're living? Now, with some time and distance and space from that season, either from her perspective or your own, was that intentionality helpful? Do you know the girls in that Girl Scout troop are still her closest friends? And it has been interesting because of the girls in that Girl Scout troop, of the four girls that are closest, one has lost, two of them have lost their dads due to death. And my husband has been a safe place for a lot of those young women who no longer have dads. And so, wow, talk about the long story. I mean, I'm giving you 20 years down the road. Yeah. Of the two, one that lost their dad, one of them is now rocking with the Lord, was not when wow. she was younger. Yeah. Three of them still aren't. Yeah. My younger daughter navigates the sacred and the secular really, really well. And with that, as a mom, you have nail-biter seasons where you're going, ugh. Yeah, that's a little too close <laughs> a to the line. A little too close. <laughs> yeah. And you know, th that's a gift that she navigates that really, really well. Yeah. It is a time of praying. It is a time of being authentic in your own relationships. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, the relationships that made the difference in the long haul were our adult friends that she respected. And so don't just think it needs to be the community of your kids' peers. It's going to be that aunt that they respect and love who's walking with the Lord. And so what does it mean to keep them in touch with those people that they respect? And yeah. so, again, intentionality. Yeah. Hey, so another intermission here, and we jump back into the conversation to wrap things up with discussing the Christmas story. One of my favorite things about the Christmas story is in all the information that the angel Gabriel gave to Mary, 
which was not much, the most tangible thing he gave her was Elizabeth. Mm. Wow. Yep. (laughs) Another woman. Another woman. Who was pregnant. Yeah. One who was older and wiser, but also didn't have children previously. Both of them had miraculous conceptions. Yeah. Which is amazing Mm -hmm. that God gave her another woman. Yeah. I mean, the... When you think about what Gabriel said, and she sa- she doesn't say no. She says, how can this be? And he says, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. What the heck? <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> so he gives her nothing tangible in terms of how it really is going to happen. What to say to Joseph? What about, what about, what about? But he says, your cousin Elizabeth. And he gives her another woman. I love that. Don't you? Yeah. No, it's underestimated the power of women connecting with each other. We desperately need more community. And I'm so appreciative of the practical advice that you've been able to give today on how to go out in the world and create the community that you want to see around you. I think it's going to bless so many women. And yeah, I'm just so grateful that you came on today. Would you mind praying us out? I would love it. Lord Jesus, one of the names I love is the name that Hagar gave you when she was pregnant and had Ishmael. She referred to you as the God who sees. And God, in a season when we feel very unseen, we quit being really our own name, and we become somebody's mother. And yet, God, you see us. And so, Lord, whoever's listening today, I pray first that she would know that she is seen by you. And, Lord, that you're the God who goes before us. And in the same way that you already provided Elizabeth, Lord, there are women already provided. And, Lord God, I pray that the connections that need to be made will be made. And that you will help women get ideas of steps that they can take to find the women you have for them. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you created us hardwired for relationship and that you know that we need a body. And thank you for these moms who are doing the same thing over and over and over each day in order to impact this life that's going to be used by you for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much.